Good morning to everyone this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I don't hear you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. How about it's good to be able to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. It is good to be here, and we're rejoicing in uh, the love of God today and in the spirit of the Lord. And uh, we're certainly dependent upon him today. And um, it's been Vision Month. We've been listening to uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Mike last week. And uh, the messages have been very encouraging about body ministry. And uh, I just appreciate you as a church. Amen. Here at the local church, part of uh, Life Church X. And um, how many of you have been down to the new building in Columbia? Have you been down there? Ah, about 50% of you. Well, the other 50%, you need to go down and see what's going on in the beautiful, beautiful building uh, down there and uh, the good work that's going on down there. They're ministering about to uh, 300 people in person uh, down there per week, and we up here somewhere around 100. How many of you would like to see us break that 100 mark this year? I believe we can do it, amen, and uh, I believe we're going to see that this year as we move forward and um, trust the Lord this morning. Well, I want to talk to you just a little bit about vision in church and Pastor Matt and Katie's heart. They have a heart for the Lord, and uh, they are all sold out uh, for the kingdom of God, and it reminds me of myself going back. Uh, about 50 years uh, when I made a decision to follow Jesus in 1968, the later part of that year, uh, my brothers, the day I got married, I got married January the 25th, 1969, and Barb and I just shared 54 years together last week. Wouldn't you give her a hand? <clears throat> She's a saint to live with somebody like me for 54 years. That's just a pretty tough job, but uh, she's did it and did it with grace, and uh, I'm still madly and passionately in love with her, uh, as I've ever been, <clears throat> and uh, I'm so thankful that God gave me a life mate, amen, to share my life with and uh, my heart. So um, at that time, we sold out for Jesus and uh, turned our back on the world and uh, pretty much everything, uh, our heartbeat was how can we further the kingdom of God? How can we be a blessing to people? Uh, how can we serve and love Jesus? And we've been at that since uh, forever, amen, uh, just uh, serving the Lord and loving God and loving people. And I can tell you that God has always been very gracious to us. I had no Bible training no Bible school, no ministerial training. Uh, I just kind of like fell into the ministry and the ministry fell into me. Uh, I had been serving as a Sunday school teacher of teenagers and uh, leading some worship and praise. Barb played the accordion, lead guitar, and I played rhythm guitar for many, many years. And We led in worship for a lot of years. And uh, the Lord just one day moved on my pastor's heart and my pastor come to me and he said, how would you like to pastor this church? And I said, that's something I'm going to certainly have to pray about and give much thought to and think about a lot. So we prayed and thought about it and uh, not having any idea in the world what we was doing. I'm just being gut level honest with you this morning. We jumped into it with both feet. And I can tell you it was a miracle in the grace of God that we ever survived. Um, it, it was a miracle. But God and our marriage also, uh, I'll say this, the first 10 years of our life, marriage was uh, hell on earth for his husband and wife was concerned, but the last 44 has been wonderful. <clears throat> and I attribute it not to myself or Barb, but to Jesus, because he was the seaman in our relationship. And as I dug more into the word of God and found out what a husband was to be, I uh, found out the more I practiced that, the better the marriage got. And um, if you want a good marriage, don't exclude Jesus from your marriage because he's the key and the doorway to not only a good marriage but to life. And um, 
God loves you where you are. And we, we saw the Lord over the years. He has always been so faithful to us and so blessed, blessed us in the area of material and money. And I know Mass cast the vision and I'm going to talk to you today about giving, but from a little bit different perspective than I've ever talked about it before. And I've never preached this message that I'm going to share with you today. It's the first time. And it, usually I preach from old notes. But I had 19 pages of notes on this subject and I cut it down to four. So, uh, but uh, the Lord gave me a little bit of new insight and thought. And um, I just want to say that over the years, God has been so faithful to us in the area of money. And we always prayed about it. We never made a big deal out of taking offerings. And I was never uh, one to take two offerings in one service. Sometime when a missionary was there, we did do that. But I always liked to just throw the word out and let people respond in faith and love to the word of God. And over the years, I learned as a pastor that as we distrusted the Lord and served God with all of our heart and love to the Lord, and we cast vision for uh, whatever area of ministry we believed that God was wanting us to do and get involved with. And as we did that, we saw God provide many, many, many miracles. And... Um, the first, how many of you know as you live for God and as your relationships develops with him, you have a very intimate personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. I've had a very personal intimate relationship with the Lord for 50 years. He's, he's my best friend. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's my king. Uh, he's my best friend. And as I talk to the Lord and as you pray and as you converse with God, it's an inner knowing in your spirit and an outward confirmation that God gives that his kingdom is in, he's building his kingdom. Don't ever think that God ever takes a vacation or veers off of what his intentions and plans are. He's building his church and his people, people that are lost, all of us were, and without him still are, uh, he's building his kingdom and his church, and he said the gates of hell will not prevail or stop the growth and the move of the church of God. And I'm telling you, when it's all folded up and God comes in Revelations 19, when Jesus comes on the white horse with the armies of heaven, he's going to be the big boss. And he's going to be our Lord and our God. And he's going to complete what he started. Now I want to tell you today the wonderful, wonderful thing that you and I are privileged to do today is to be a part of that kingdom and that family. And it's a wonderful privilege to serve the Lord and to love the Lord and build that relationship with him over the years and watch God move. And I remember when God moved on our, our hearts to leave the country building in Nutwood. How many of us ever at the church in Nutwood? Probably not. Well, we've got a few oldies around and a few people left. But uh, it was a community building. Well, uh, just it, it had an out, outdoor outhouse when we started. Matter of fact, I put a new bathroom in there. That was some of my first carpentry uh, blessings that God gave me. And we finally put a new bathroom uh, in there. And uh, the people were so glad when that happened. But um, we was a country church. We had a few people. Uh, you could count the offerings usually on one hand. But as we distrusted God and began to live for the Lord, we uh, moved to Jerseyville uh, on Carpenter Street and purchased a building there for $30,000. And uh, we didn't have enough money to start that work, but we had a lot of faith and a lot of grit. And uh, we told God, Lord, we, we just really believe this is what you want for us. So we claimed that building in the name of Jesus, just like I laid hands on the corner of this building when it was a feed store and had corn stacked in the middle of the floor all the way up here with rats running around. I laid hands on it and claimed it in the name of Jesus. And not only me, there was a whole army with us at that time, a couple hundred people that were praying and believing God for the very same thing. 
And as we prayed and believed God, the Lord moved on my heart. I had bought my first home and lived in Fielding, four lots and a house, and I think I paid $12,500 for it. How many of you wish you could buy a house that cheap today? Uh-huh. And um, we lived there in uh, 1973, 74. And uh, when the Lord spoke to our hearts, we really didn't have enough money in our account to uh, satisfy the bank to move to Jerseyville. So the Lord moved on my wife and I's heart, and we sold our house uh, and gave basically every dime sacrificial offering, a gift uh, to the church uh, at that time to start the work of God. I was all in on it and all sold out on it. And I have been ever since. And my dad, um, who loved the Lord, put up his small farm for collateral so we could buy the church. I remember my dad running down the aisle with all of his clothes on one night in a baptismal service, jumping in the pool and saying, baptize me, baptize me. So we just saw a lot of wonderful things, but in a matter of a very few few short years, that was totally paid for, and we had purchased new property to build a new church, and it was paid for and had quite a bit of money in the bank. God was so gracious to us, and we moved... Uh, out here in uh, 92, in the first building over here. And I made a bargain with God. You can call it a fleece or whatever you want to call it. God don't ever do anything he don't want to do. He just does what he knows needs to be done for the situation. And I had been hurt real bad in the ministry and actually had lost uh, the church. I had resigned August the 28th of uh, 1992, walked away from it and thought I probably would never pastor again. Uh, I told God, if you'll just let me be a deacon, I'll be happy. If you just let me sing a song once in a while, I'll be happy. But God moved on my heart and basically healed me of some of the things that had happened then. How many of you know that you can be hurt in church in the house of your friends just about worse than any kind of hurt with the exceptions of in within your family? Well, I was hurt bad, but uh, God healed me and I began getting letters in the mail. Am I boring you this morning? Or are we doing okay? Uh, I began getting letters in the mail that said, you're our pastor. We're saving our ties. We're not giving them anywhere else. We're saving our offerings until you decide God still wants you to pastor. And I kept getting letters like that from people I hadn't heard from in years. People would write me and say, look, we heard you weren't being a pastor anymore. You can't leave that. That's your calling, and that's what God wants for your life. And finally, after arguing with God for three months and a vacation in Florida, uh, and just trying every way I could to get out of it. And I visited churches in the community and looked where I could start giving my tithes with faith and contributing my little part, whatever that might be. And finally God moved on my heart, and I knew that God wanted me to continue to pastor. So we started pastoring out of a suitcase and rented a building. We had absolutely nothing, no money. Uh, We didn't have a pulpit. We basically didn't have anything. So we, it was a water department building out on 16. They rented a room there. And we, we started having church out of a suitcase for about a year. And uh, God began to bless that work, and we began to grow and uh, increase. And we got up to about 50 or 60 people, and I felt we needed a building of our own and God leading me that way. So we began to pray and ask the Lord uh, what he would would have for us. And um, God led us to the first building over here, and the price was 80000 And we bought it and got it for 6% interest. But I told the Lord, I said, everything we need to have our first service, and the building was a, a machine shed just like this building uh, with motors in there and all kinds of stuff. It had two bathrooms, and uh, the rest of it was just a pole barn and a machine shed. And we went in there, And I told the Lord, I said, I want everything we need to move in here without going any more in debt. And within 
three months. God blessed us with about thirty-five or $40,000 above tithes that we was taking in at that time. And within just a few short months, we did all of our remodeling. We moved in and had our first service. And at that time, God, I guess to encourage me and because he believed in what we were doing since it was his vision and his plan. And I think we must always look at that. Our higher commitment here to Pastor Matt and Katie and the vision, we believe that it's God's vision. If I didn't believe that, I'd walk out this door today and not come back. But I believe with all of my heart that it is God's vision and we as God's people that God's called here should do everything we can to support it, to encourage it, to get behind it and pray for it and just do our part. And of course, that's what Pastor Matt has been teaching us and telling us for the past month, casting the vision. And we saw the Lord move on people's heart. People would drive in off of the highway and give us checks for $5,000, $3,000. We had strangers come in and give to us. I had people call me. One lady one day said we needed uh, about 18 three-foot solid oak doors. And we didn't have them. I had the holes all framed in, and we needed those doors. And a lady stopped in one night, a lady that I wasn't particularly fond of, and didn't have a very good relationship with, and I'm really being honest with you this morning. And she came in and she said, I think I've got the doors you need at a place at a hospital I'm working at in St. Louis. Would you be interested? And I said, oh, bring me one and let me look at it. I didn't tell her to bring me all 18 doors. I said, just bring me one and let me look at it. And she brought me the door, and they were absolute beautiful two-inch solid oak doors with all the hardware and all the trim. And she had exactly 19, and that's exactly what we ended up needing. And I had another a pastor friend of mine. He said, do you need a piano? And I said, yes, we do. He said, I've got a baby grand where you want me to deliver it. So he delivered the baby grand piano. And, uh, and I can go on like this for hours and hours and hours and tell you what God did. When we claimed this in any way, within about three or four years, we paid for that building. And then uh, before we moved naturally, we bought these two buildings in two acres of ground that wasn't even for sale. And I remember standing in here one day with the owner and asking her if she would consider selling it to us or we would have the first chance to buy it if it came up for sale. And she said, "Uh, yes, I can do that. But she said, it's not for sale. Two weeks later, she called me and she said, you know what? She said, I think we'll sell you that building. How would you like to buy it? And I said, three years, nothing down. (laughs) And uh, then we'll do a contract uh, for the $250,000. And that's what we paid for these two buildings and two acres of ground. And I was over here one day in about a week talking to her again, and she just kept calling me and kept asking me to come over. Beautiful lady, good Catholic woman. And uh, we were standing here in the middle of the floor one day, and the Holy Spirit fell on her. And she said, what is that? And I said, that's the Spirit of God moving on you because God's wanting you to know he's behind what you're doing. And she said, well, you know, she said, I want you guys to begin to use all these different parts of these two buildings, and I want you to use it. For this building we turned into a youth center, and it was just, I don't remember, some of the walls were bright orange, Holly, and, but I remember one service we had in here with 310 teenagers, Eddie Al Gore here was a world skateboard champion. He was here giving his testimony, and we had 225 conversions that night. Can you give the Lord a praise this morning? And we saw God do such amazing things, so they began to let us use the building, and we went ahead and did the contract on it. And uh, as we uh, moved in and cast faith for children, uh, launched bus ministry in many different areas, ministries for senior people uh, that God honored and blessed, we saw money come in in ways that 
I was praying and asking God for $45,000 for this auditorium. We never really believed in hiring out labor. We did all the work ourselves. Uh, my, myself and my brothers were all carpenters, and they always helped me, and then we had a lot of different people in the church that was talented and gifted. And uh, we saw the Lord just move on people's hearts. And you've heard this testimony, but I share it briefly again with you. Um, we was praying for this auditorium and everything we needed. And I was asking God for 45000 We were like Pastor Matt. We had it broke down in phases so it wouldn't be so overwhelming. And uh, as we prayed and asked God and cast vision and just love the Lord and preach the word of God, God moved on a man's heart and he gave us, he actually told me, and I've never told people this before. No, if I ever, I don't think I've ever told you this, but God healed his marriage and moved on his heart. He had one daughter coming here, and she so loved the church that she told her dad, she said, if you go to church anywhere else, she was about nine, she said, you just drop me off there, and you can go anywhere else you want to go. Well, it got his curiosity up. So one day he said, I want you to go to breakfast with me in an airplane ride. He had his own private airplane, uh, and I didn't like flying. But I went for a ride with him, and he was pretty gentle, very loving, good guy. And I met him and began to share with him and talk to him. And uh, he and his wife began to come to church. And the Lord healed his marriage, and he was a businessman from North Carolina. So then he said, well, you know, since the Lord's healed my marriage, I want to go back to where my businesses all are in North Carolina. And he called me one day, and he said, I want to come to your house, um, and I want to meet with you. My wife and I have something we want to give you. So I went, and it was on a Sunday. We had them out for lunch, and uh, he came. His name was also Matt. And he came to my house, and he said, uh, we want to give you two houses, and uh, I think it was seven acres of ground. The one house was a brand new, uh, some 200, or uh, about 20,000 square foot, a brand new home. And he said, if you want to, you can move in it yourself. He said, it can be yours, and you can rent the other property out. Or he said, if you want to, you can give it to the church. And I said, well, there's, you know, I didn't even have to pray about that one. I knew what God wanted me to do. And we immediately signed everything over to the church. And uh, the church ended up getting $265,000 in one gift. And folks, this is how what bought these chairs, brought a lot of the sound equipment, added this addition on that wasn't here, all the foyer and all this addition out here. And it was all done with volunteer labor except the carpet. Everything else was pretty much done with volunteers. And I'm saying that to say this. You can get behind a vision of God if you believe it's from God with faith and with all of your heart. And I have seen God do some absolutely... <laughs> that day I cried and cried and cried as he told me what you know he was going to do. And I just, I was just beside myself at the blessing and the favor of God. And in my personal life, I can tell you, and my wife will tell you, I have never been concerned about money. I've never had much. But God has always, and I mean always, absolutely blessed me abundantly. So I had to give, had enough to meet my needs. And I don't know about you, but... Everybody's not content with that, but I'm absolutely perfectly content with that. And uh, I have saw God over the years just do wonderful things. And I'm going to share this one with you that just recently happened, and I won't go back any further and bore you with how good God's been to me. But uh, Barb and I recently, I hadn't saw my sister in Titusville, Florida. for uh, I hadn't been there since 2009 when her daughter died of brain cancer at 50 years old. That was the last time I was down there. And uh, she had been up here a couple times, but I hadn't saw her in about five years. And um, she's uh, in her upper 80s, uh, the oldest one in the family, her and her husband. Her husband will soon be 90. And I wanted to go down there, but it's questionable. How many of you know when you're, when you're retiring, you live on Social Security, it ain't like you used to be when you worked? How many of you seniors can identify with that? 
Well, that's where we're living now. And uh, I wanted to go, but I wasn't sure we had the money, but we finally made the decision, you know, we're going to go and take that trip. So we did, and we went to Asheville, North Carolina, and took in Biltmore, and uh, took about a 2,650-mile round trip. And on the way home, after we had had a wonderful visit with my sister and some other very good, a good, good vacation, a good time, uh, I got a phone call on my car. And I picked up the phone, and the phone call said, we're going to give you this amount of money. Wasn't expected, wasn't earned, wasn't deserved, as far as I'm concerned. And it come from some place I had no idea that it could possibly come from. But the person told me, we're going to give you X amount of dollars. And I looked over at Barb and I said, guess what? Our trip has just been paid for. And you know what? The money was almost identical to exactly what we needed for the trip. Now, folks, I can tell you about God giving me houses and cars and guitars. I could stand here for hours and telling you blessings upon blessings that God has given me. But I just want to tell you this morning, trust him. Be faithful in your giving, your tithes and your offerings. And it is amazing what you'll see God do in and through your life. And I want to talk to you today about giving. In a little bit different perspective, if you have your Bibles, oh, I've got plenty of time. I won't be long-winded as Pastor Matt. <laughs> Boy, I might get in trouble for that. <laughs> We don't turn on our Bibles much more. We all look on our iPads or our phones, right? Or we look on the screen. But I want to read you a text this morning. And uh, David was a man after God's own heart. David loved God with all of his heart. And um, David was getting ready to build the temple. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that it was the greatest, one of the greatest temples that had ever been built up to that time in his life. And God told him he couldn't build it. It was part of the judgment of God upon him for his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and the son that was born there that passed away. And um, David had saved all of his life. He was a good steward, and he had much gold and much wealth, David did. And folks, don't ever think that you can't be rich and serve God. You'll never find that in the Bible. Matter of fact, the more you have, the more you can give. But God's not interested in that. He's interested in your attitude and your heart, amen, that it belongs to the Lord. And, and this is a text about David and, and Solomon. Solomon would go on and build the house, the tabernacle. But this is David's words, and it's probably some of the most beautiful words there is in the Bible about giving. Four times in this chapter, chapter 29 of First Chronicles, four times in this chapter, uh, he talks about, and the people gave willingly and cheerfully. They gave willingly and cheerfully. And there's one text that says, if you don't offer it willingly, don't bring it. God wants our hearts. He wants a willingness. He wants a cheerfulness, a joy in our giving, in our serving, because he knows the rewards and the benefits of that lifestyle. And I want to say that, you know, the very foundation of our life, we believe in God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe that God's our source. We really must believe that. And if you believe that, it takes worry out about a lot of life because you know you serve a God and, you know, people, there's always to look at this, God being the source and owning everything. You know, we look at it that we can do everything that we can as far as earning money, collecting wealth, and doing things. But, you know, if God don't give you your next breath, you won't have anything. If God don't give you your next heartbeat, you won't do anything. I believe that with all of my heart. I've been on the death table several times over the years. But you know what? God said he's, his heart's going to beat one more time. He's going to take one more breath. 
and I'm here today. I don't know how for how long. My wife and I was talking about it this morning. The older you get, the more you talk about it and think about it. But listen to me, life at its best is just a shadow. And there's, this text says, there's none abiding. There's none of us escaped it unless you want to look at uh, Elisha, or, or yeah, it's Elisha and Enoch who were both translated. And boy, if God does me that, I'd be just tickled with that too. Amen? Well, we're all going to get translated one of these days when Jesus comes together as church. But God is our source. And who do you think gives you the ability, the creativity, who is it that's hardwired in man through your parents, through your grandparents, through family, to give you all the ability you have? And isn't, isn't it amazing that every one of us in this room have different talents, different entrants, different slights, different dislikes, and all of us together are so fragmented, but boy, when you bring us all together, we can do just about anything. It's amazing. And it's the way God made mankind. So I want to get into my message this morning, uh, and it's found in Luke 6. And how many of you know that somebody said, and I've never checked this out, I don't know if it's the truth or not, but it probably is, that every word Jesus spoke, four scriptures out of everything he spoke was about money, about giving, and about material things. So he talked a lot about it, and this text in the Beatitudes is you find it in Luke 6 and in Matthew 5. And a friend of mine told me, he said, if you got rid of all the rest of the Bible and just lived by Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you would have enough to know what God wants you to know and be able to live for him. And I'll tell you, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is rich. It's the Beatitudes. And the Lord gives the answer there of how to be happy. How many of you want to be happy? How many of you want to be blessed and fulfilled? Well, God goes down the list in Matthew 5, and he begins to tell you because the word blessed there in King James means happy. Happy are those who take care of the poor. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who give mercy. And he begins to go down this discourse. Now, Luke, as a doctor, he presents it in quite a di different context. So we're going to read this context this morning, and then I promise you I'm going to have a short message. The Word of God, Luke 6, verse 20. This is Jesus. How many of you know when it's in red, it's a little more important? <clears throat> Amen. And the master teacher and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, Blessed be you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you that hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you that weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Now, you might, if you underline in your Bible, you might underline that. He repeats it twice in this text. Your reward will be great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall be hungry. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Pray for them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them. There's a golden rule. For if you love them which love you, what thanks have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, <clears throat> what thanks have you for sinners also do good to the same? 
And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thanks have you for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again? But love you your enemies and do good. Lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgiven, you shall be forgiven. Given, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And you said, Amen. And I said, I've got a bug in my throat. If you look at this text, it's pretty amazing what Jesus had to say. And I'm sure those listening were pretty uh, pretty amazed at what he was saying. And really, as I get into this message, the title of my message this morning is The Reward of a Successful Steward and Donations. It's not about the duration of life, but our donation to life that counts. Giving has little to do or nothing to do with assets, but it has everything to do with attitude. Attitude this morning, Jesus taught in Luke, and I'm not going there, but in Luke 10, we have the parable of the good Samaritan. And the question to Jesus was, they were trying to trip him up as usual, and they said, who is my neighbor? The question was asked to Jesus. So Jesus began to answer this, who is your neighbor, by the parable of the good Samaritan. And here's what he wanted us to get from this about attitude. Number one, the thief's attitude was what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. I'm going to get it. So he robbed the man and he stole from him and left him beaten uh, and half dead beside the road. Selfishness is what governed this man's life, not a godly attitude. And it was because, it's because of this that much, much grief and woe comes into families and into relationships because of selfishness. I was a marriage counsel for about 30-some years, and usually the bottom line somewhere was selfishness. All right, it's what I want. It's not about what you need and what you want and me caring about you, but it's what I want, what I need, and what I care about and what's going on with me. Pastor Matt shared it good, or it was Mike, I think, last week that talked about marriage being a 50-50 or 100%. And I can tell you, it has to be 100%. This 50-50 stuff don't work. And that's what Mike was saying. And the second thing he wanted us to learn, what's mine is mine through the Levite and the priest, and I'm going to keep it. I've got to keep it for security. I've got to keep it so I have enough. I've got to keep it. So they walked on by, both of them, the Levite and the priest, and offered the man no help. What an opportunity they lost. But then the third one, the good Samaritan, he came along, and his attitude was, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to share it. And he shared his donkey. He shared his money. He shared his time. He shared his love and his concern for the man. The question this morning If you were to die this week, what donation or contribution would you have made in your life to others? Your obituary. Think about it. Have you thought about your obituary? Have you written your obituary, anybody? I've thought about mine, and I'm about ready to write mine because I want to write my own. I know more about me than anybody else. And as a pastor, I have done hundreds and hundreds of funerals since 1975. Babies, pre-born, children, teenagers, in all ages, all the way up to 99. I've never been blessed to be able to do a 100-year-old, but a 99. And you guess how the 99-year-old died? Not of old age, in a car wreck a little bit before her 100th birthday, and we was going to have a big party for her 100th birthday. 
You never know. But life's fragile at its best. And the question, how would you rate your life? Have you been a contributor, a contributor or a consumer in your life? The insight from Luke talks a lot about this, and it's really Jesus is talking about giving, but it doesn't really mean money. It does, yes, but that's such a small, minute part, and I don't really believe that's what, I know it's not what Jesus emphasized in the Beatitudes or in this text as you read them. If you read this text and really look at it, he was talking not about monetary things so much as he was you, yourself, who you are and what you are in the Lord. Now, givers, three truths I want to share with you today, three points. I only got three points today. That's amazing for me. Givers live on a higher level than others, and we make the world a better place to live in. Givers. What separates givers from takers? We are positive activists in life. We are involved. We do more than what is expected. This is all in this text. You see this in the Good Samaritan. And Jesus said, by the way, the Good Samaritan, he asked the man, he said, now who do you think was a neighbor? And, of course, the guy had to say, well, the Good Samaritan was a good neighbor. Sure. And he said, you go do the same thing. They look for others, or sorry, uh, three, they give themselves not expecting or asking any return. They look for others' needs with a willing, cheerful attitude and are ready to give what they can to help. Three levels of giving. I don't know how much of this they put on your outline. She must have just put the point. Okay. Uh, Three levels of giving. The top level is grace. What do I want and what do I want God to give through me is the top level where we live. And the middle level is grit. What does God want me to do? How many, uh, as your tithes has increased over the years and God has blessed you, is it harder for you to give that tithe as it's increased? Shouldn't be, because it's God that's blessed you. I remember when I had one child and made $88.75 a week, take home pay. Well, when I quit working, I was making five or six times that much, and God had been good to me. But whether you're giving a dollar or 10,000, whether it's two mites, five loaves, and two fishes, it doesn't really, or whether it's millions of dollars, it doesn't matter. Can I tell you a little story about John D. Rockefeller, his biography? John D. Rockefeller at 23 years old was a millionaire. John D. Rockefeller at 50 years old was a billionaire. And when John D. Rockefeller was 53 years old, his doctor told him because of ulcer and worry and, and, and nervous disorders and sickness in his life, he had one year to live. He said, you got one year to live. For one year, now this is the richest man in the world. He could have bought any restaurant in the world. He could have ate anything. He could have got on an airplane and went and had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich somewhere if he wanted to. He could have... That's supposed to be about Elvis, and that's supposed to be a joke because that's what he did. But Rockefeller could have did anything in the world he wanted to do. So at 50, he was in the hospital, and all he ate for a year was crackers and milk. And during that period of time, and we do, when we're laying in a hospital, not bad, knowing not whether we're going to live or not, we think about a lot of things. And John Rockefeller thought about his life, and he said, you know what? I've got all of these millions of dollars and billions of dollars. What am I going to do with them? And he said, you know what? I'm going to start giving my money away. And John D. Rockefeller, history tells, biography tell you, he began to give millions and millions of dollars in big time to medical science. He gave millions. Hospitals, colleges, charitable institutions, and he began to pour out what God had blessed him with. 
And the Lord began to heal him, and his health began to improve. The ulcers left, the nervous disorders left, and the man lived to be 90 years old. That's an example of what giving, living the giving life, the difference it can make in our lives. The Lord said it's better to give than receive. I would much rather give any day than receive. And the Lord taught us in giving, you're rewarded and you will receive, but it's not our motive and our ambition. The top level's grace, the middle level's grit, and the bottom level is get even. <laughs> what others do to you, I'm going to do her back. How many of you know that we're all tested with that? Oh, we're all tested with it. And the Lord knew we would be. But to live on that plane, it's, it's not a good way to live. And it's not a fun way to live. The second point today, givers understand the principles of sowing and reaping, the golden rule. And you know, if all of us would live by the golden rule, it'd be a much better world. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Anything that you don't want done to you, don't do to other people. I'll tell you, that would correct a lot of problems in people's life if they just live by verse 31 out of our text, the golden rule. The principle of sowing and reaping. Uh, can I share another story with you? Winston Churchill, as a seven- or eight-year-old boy, was at a, a wealthy estate, a rich estate in Scotland, and uh, he was there with his parents. And the gardener there of that estate, not the owner, but the gardener, had a son about the same age as Winston Churchill. His name was Alexander Fleming. And Winston Churchill got cramps in the swimming pool as they were there enjoying that pool, and Alexander Fleming saved his life from drowning, Winston Churchill's. Now, Winston Churchill's father asked the family and the gardener, he said, what can I do for this boy, uh, Alexander, uh, that has saved my son's life, Winston Churchill's life? And he said, well, Alexander was a very intelligent, excellent kid. He said he would like to go to school to become a doctor, but he... Uh, we can't, there's no way as a gardener we can afford that. And uh, Winston Churchill's father said, I will pay for his medical schooling. And he paid for all of Alexander Fleming's medical schooling. Alexander Fleming went on to become one of the greatest doctors in Europe, and, and he was the one that found penicillin. And he found penicillin, and later on in life, this is kind of how this, it works, cast your bread on the water, and after many days, it'll return to you again in Ecclesiastes. So many years later, Winston Churchill was in Egypt as a diplomat, and he got pneumonia and was, was actually dying. And Alexander Fleming found this out and flew to Egypt with his new serum and rescued and saved Churchill's life twice. Isn't that an amazing story? But as we give in life, you and I, all of us are partakers of this because it's a lifestyle that we live. I say pretty much all of us in this room, we live that way. And we're blessed that way as the people, as the people of God. Giving is not something that we expect back, or it's not trading, but it's giving. The principle of sowing and reap is, is understanding God is our source and doing good without expecting a return, even though we will be rewarded, according to the text. It's not our motive. Three truths about our giving God. God's power, his ability to give, his willingness to give. You know how much you like to give to your kids and your grandkids. You know how much you like to see their eyes light up at Christmas? Come on. You know how much when you just at random give them a gift and their eyes light up and, you know, they're so thankful and so appreciative? How much more do you thank our Heavenly Father with his kids when he gives us something? He is so willingly to see the smile on our face, to see the step in our feet, and see our heart re, uh, rejoice and race because we know how much God loves us. 
And I'm here to declare to you today that God loves you much more than you think he does. And you say, well, I ain't probably living for God like I should today. He loves you anyway. He loved you when you was lost and then done. And he loved you at your worst and your best. And he'll continue to love you. But he wants you to know his love. He wants you to know the beauty of, of a relationship with him. So he has the power. He has the willingness. And then we get the partnership. All the benefits of being in partnership with God, we are workers together with him. And I dare say to you this morning, we are involved in the greatest work that we as humankind can ever be involved with when it comes to the kingdom of God. I believe it with all of my heart. That's why I've given my life to it. And I have seen the benefits and the blessing and the rewards. What do we give and what will come of our giving? I just jotted a few things down. What is it that we give? And as I look around here this morning, every one of you are a giver in life. Every one of you. There's not anyone here that's not a giver in life. And we all have our measure, our portion, our gifts, our talents, our heart, our motives that God has put deep within us. And hopefully and trustfully, his Holy Spirit that he's poured in us so freely. And the scripture, the golden rule is we would that men should do to us, do you also likewise to them. And the first thing we give is ourself. And a lot of husbands and wives, they don't want, the, oh yeah, they do want the birthday gift. They do want the Christmas gift. They do want the anniversary gift. Randy, where you at? Dave, where's David at, Sandy? Is he not in here? Well, you tell him what I said because we have a thing about that. The anniversary gift, the flowers. David told me, he said, I don't ever give my wife flowers. And I said, shame on you. <laughs> he, he, he thought it was funny, but I hope, Sandy, maybe after that you got a flower too. All right, hallelujah. <laughs> but ourselves, our time is probably, that's pretty much the most important thing that we have to give, ourself, our time. And I began just to write things down as I felt, you know, I needed to. Uh, the, the precious Holy Spirit in our life, we give love, joy, and peace everywhere we go. We give long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. We give faith, meekness, and temperance. These are the things that the Lord was talking about in this text. Out of the very depths of our soul, our being, our mind, our will, and our emotions, it's in us. We are hardwired to give. And we give all the time. And I don't think we think very much about it because it's our lifestyle. We just give. We give lots and lots of different things. We give kindness. We give tenderheartedness. We give mercy. We give grace. One of the greatest gifts you'll ever, forgive, ever give somebody is forgiveness. One of the greatest gifts you'll ever receive is forgiveness. We give it. As humankind, we mess up. We fail. We fall. We stumble. Come on. Unless you live in a different world than I do, I certainly do all those things. But you know what? Wonderful forgiveness that comes and floods us through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God over and over and over and over again. And the Lord said, as you have been forgiven of me, you forgive others. And as we forgive, all of these, this giving and all of this lifestyle brings into our lives a joy and a peace and a fulfillment that you can't get from anything else or anybody else. It floods us. Care. We give many levels of care depending on where we're at and what the circumstance is. We give smiles. You can never underestimate the power of your smile to another person. I'd much rather see you smile than give me a bad look. Come on. Somebody said it takes 11 muscles to frown, in about, or 11 muscles to smile, and about 22 to frown, so I want to smile. You know the little song? 
smile a while and give your face a rest. Raise your hands to the one you love the best. Reach right out to someone near. Shake their hand and smile. I won't even charge you for that. (laughs) We give. Now it's sometime a fist bump instead of a shake. I'd much rather shake your hand than fist bump, but I understand. Sometimes for the elderly, there was a few in our church over the years, elderly ladies, I give them a little kiss on the cheek. They loved it. And I enjoyed it, and I was blessed from it. I think about Sister Lois Cameron. She was one of few women I ever kissed on the cheek. Her and Sister Helen, sweethearts, loved God, just full of kindness and tenderness and goodness and love, the love of God. All of these things has touched my heart, touched my life, and helped me to be who I am today. Prayers, don't ever... Think little of the prayers that you offer for other people. And we all just give these things and give these things. It's the way God has made life and made us to be. We give tithe. We give offerings. You're giving your offering, your missionary offering, your vision offering willingly today. I'm giving mine willingly today with a glad heart. To word pastor Matt and Katie's vision for the church and what we believe is God's vision. We give our testimony. We give to our jobs, our schools, our community. One of the things I love that Life Church X is doing is community outreach and ministering beyond our full walls in other countries, in other nations, and right in our communities of Columbia and Waterloo and Jerseyville and the surrounding areas. I love it when I hear that our church has been instrumental in blessing the police or blessing the hospital or blessing the school or whoever it is, but it's wonderful to be in that plan where we are able to see the blessings of God flow and give and give and give. We give material things. We give approval. We give praise to God and people. I thought about our families. Most of you are pouring your life, your soul, your life. Paul said, I, have, I am willing to be spent for you. We have spent our lives as husbands and wives. Barb and I, for the past 50, going on 55 years now, as far as the time we've been together, giving to each other. Caring for each other, loving each other, serving each other. Then on down to our children and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. I picked up my daughter, our granddaughter from school on Friday, Catherine. And Catherine's nine. She's going to be double digits April 2nd. Grandpa, it's double digits. I'm going to be 10. I'm going to be double digits. She's so excited about that. But I got a text from her mom on Friday that said uh, Catherine's school sent her a note that she has improved in every one of her studies this quarter. She got in the door when I picked her up, and I said, honey, congratulations on improving. Of course, she couldn't wait to tell me on improving on every subject uh, this quarter. And I, as we were sitting around later on, I gave her, we sent my bill phone and gave her $5 bill. And I said, honey, this is for working so hard and improving your lessons and being serious about the work that you're doing in school. But we love to give. We love it. We enjoy it. Enjoy it. Be knowledgeable about it as you serve, as you love, as you give to all those people around you. Don't forget to say thank you. You can never say it too much. Thank you. Thank you. Helping hands, recognition, gifts of all kinds. Holidays give us an opportunity to give. We give to the poor. We give to the sick. We give to the hungry. We give to the suffering. We give to the hurting. We give to the dying. We give to the prisoners. But we give. So I want to commend you this morning for your giving. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving to every one of you 
for your love, for your care, for your concern, because this makes our world a better place. Our families, our community, our homes, our churches. And I close with point three this morning. Givers are blessed by the Lord. Only heaven will reveal our rewards and our blessings, our provisions in the future and in this life right now. And I want to close this morning with Malachi chapter 3. And this is not on your outline, but I just want to close with this. It's about giving and tithing. And I'm telling you, God's interested more than having your heart than he is your wallet. Because if he has your heart, he'll have your wallet. And you know, God just don't own 10%. He owns it all. He owns it all. And if he moves on our heart to give, we give. And I close with this this morning. What kind of blessings does God give us? We've been talking a lot about them. Spiritual blessings, material blessings, influential blessings in our life. He floods us with them. And what is my responsibility in turn? In this text, Malachi, turn to the Lord, trust him. You can trust the Lord and test him in this matter. I've tested him. I've been testing him for 50-some years, and I've never been disappointed in what God has done and what God is doing. Let's live on the giving side of life in 2023. Let's stand behind Life Church X, our leaders, our vision, and let's do what God lays upon our hearts to do. And everybody this morning said amen.